0: Some familiar faces are returning to Illinois this weekend as the Illini host Maryland for a Friday night, 8 p.m., Kickoff on FS1. I'm Jeremy Warner, Alina Inquirer publisher, and yes, Mike Loxley and the 2 0 Maryland Terrapins coming to Champaign. The first time Maryland will play in Memorial Stadium. It is the last road trip Maryland has to make in the Big Ten. These two teams have only played once so far. Uh, that uh, Maryland's been in the Big Ten, and they've been in the Big Ten for a while 2014 so they've only had two crossover games so far. The first one did not go well out in College Park as Illinois gave up 63 points in that. So I know th- I know the defense is really bad. They've been dreadful the last two weeks, but we have seen worse. Um, now Maryland comes in with a high-powered offense, this time with Mike Loxley. So we'll see uh, if we can compare that with some of the dreadful defenses we've seen here in the past. But it is time for Illinois to show whether they are closer to the Nebraska game or whether the last two weeks uh, have been more of what Illinois football is. But Loxley does return. For those who are young or don't remember, Loxley was the offense coordinator for Illinois from 05 to 08. Of course, that includes some very good offenses that he led and some very good players that he helped recruit. Uh, Back in 07, of course, Illinois goes 9-3 during the regular season, goes to the Rose Bowl. Gets trounced by USC, that was just more talented. But uh, it was a great season. Juice Williams, Rashard Mendenhall, Regis Ben, and of course, uh, Loxley had a huge role uh, in recruiting um, Regis Ben, who's from Washington, D.C., where Mike Loxley grew up as well. And uh, Vante Davis was a huge defensive back for that team that he helped recruit. And, and obviously, Juice Williams was. Was his, uh, you know, mentee, uh, someone that he coached every day, and uh, even 2008, where Illinois was really disappointing. That was a high-powered uh, passing attack with Juice Williams and, and Regis Ben, and, and Regis had one of the best single seasons we've seen. It was just so disappointing they didn't make it to a bowl game that year, and one of the more disappointing seasons Illinois had. But after that. And uh, Loxley goes on to New Mexico, which is a really tough job and, and didn't do so well, obviously. And then Ron Zook made a couple of bowl games without Loxley, but the offense coordinator position was an issue for him. The Mike Schultz year was really bad. First year of Paul Petrino uh, with Nathan Schultz was pretty good, but the second year after a great start, um, that offense was just really bad for the last six games. And Really cost Ron Zook his job. And, of course, Zook goes on, coach for the Green Bay Packers as a special teams coach. And now he's back at Maryland as the special teams coordinator. Um, So Ron Zook and Mike Loxley will be here this weekend to take on the Illini. And it makes you think, like, back to those days, like, Ron Zook deserved to be fired. Now, maybe you didn't like the way the athletic director went about it, but... He had really underwhelming seasons after the Rose Bowl. Like that 2008 team had no reason, no reason to not make a bowl game, and they lost at Ford Field, which was a dumb game to schedule, uh, to Western Michigan. Right? Um, That that can't happen. Or the next year, which was a really talented team, went three and nine. Okay, and then 2010, nice bounce back year. Nathan Chiaos is your quarterback. 2011. One of the most exciting times I've covered Illinois football is Illinois goes 6-0 to start the year, the thrilling comeback victory uh, over a solid Northwestern team. Whitney Merciless is putting together one of the best seasons in Illinois history. Nathan Schios and A.J. Jenkins are putting up big numbers. Jeff Allen's going to be a draft pick. Tavon Wilson's going to be a draft pick. All those guys, four guys in the top two rounds, and you lose your final six games of the season. Right, you didn't even have to go ten and two, but go eight and four, right? And they weren't able to do that. And Mike Thomas pulls the trigger, and unfortunately, uh, Illinois never hired a better coach than Ron Zook after that. So Zook was eighteen and thirty-eight in the Big Ten. Uh, first two years you might not hold against him, but the last four years was eleven and twenty-one. Um, So he recruited well, didn't utilize that talent well enough, didn't keep it well enough on on campus, uh, and uh, obviously didn't get the most of it. And there were some coaching issues that that people remember. But I think Ron Zook's coming back to Champaign remembered more fondly than when he originally left, right, because of what's happened with Tim Beckman and what's happened with Lovey Smith. Um, So Ron Zook could get talent. And uh, Mike Loxley is certainly doing that at Maryland, a program that has some similarities to Illinois football. So I talk about locks and I talk about the Maryland football program and what we've seen so far from them this year with Jeff Erman at InsideMDSports.com, part of the 24 7 Sports Network. Jeff does a great job of covering uh, the Maryland Terrapins. I also asked him a little bit about basketball, but. Maryland is a dangerous team coming to Champaign, at least a very dangerous offense after putting up 30 points and a win at West Virginia, 62 on Howard. And you're not going to take a ton from that, but uh, they did put up 62 in a shutout win over a, a Division One team, even if it's a, one of the worst uh, Division I teams. So uh, this is a dangerous team, and, and a team that's hungry has a chance to potentially go 4-0 and if they beat Illinois, while Illinois is, is reeling after back-to-back losses uh, in the first quarter of the first season uh, under Brett Beelman after a great Week 1 win. So... Let's talk to Jeff Herman coming up next about Maryland football, Michael Oxley, and what this game game means from the Maryland side of things. Jeff Herman's next on the Alana Enquirer podcast.
1: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus.
0: Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast and things aren't going well for Illinois football right now after back-to-back losses. But Maryland football feeling pretty good with a familiar name uh, leading the program to Illinois fans, and that's Mike Loxley and his Terps off to a 2-0 start after uh, a COVID-ravaged year that uh, had three games canceled last year, but they did have two wins uh, against Minnesota and Penn State that were pretty impressive. Let's get the lowdown on Mike Loxley's Terrapins from Jeff Ehrman from Inside MD Sports, one of our fine publishers at 24-7 Sports. A 2-0 start, I know one of those is against Howard, but one win uh, against uh, West Virginia is a huge one on the road. Uh, how are things feeling uh, out there in College Park, Jeff? Uh,
1: there's a lot of excitement. I mean, more than there has been certainly around Maryland football in years when you look at the way the past few years have gone, both on and off the field. You know, they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. You had the DJ Durkin saga, the Jordan McNair tragedy. So it's been a... You know, a steady rebuild for the past four years or so to get to this point where there's actually some more positivity, more excitement, and you know they've like you said it's, they've only played one real team, but they, they've looked pretty good so far.
0: Yeah, and I think we and I, you and I were talking before this, like Maryland and Illinois are both basketball schools, like the fan bases care about basketball. So, um, what what is the fan base like with football, and and how has Locks um, excited that fan base so far?
1: know he's starting to get them back out the first few years it was impossible nobody could have gotten them back out they had gone through so much off the field the team wasn't good and like you said it's not a it's not one of those football fan bases where you're going to get eighty thousand or however many people in the stands no matter how good they are nebraska or penn state or wherever else so uh the the students have really come out strong the first few games my theory there is that they you know they've been cooped up so long because of covid that they they're just happy to be able to do anything. So. I think that's actually helping a lot, but also it's an exciting product. They're putting up uh putting up pretty big numbers and, and people love Mike Loxley. You know, he is a Maryland guy. You know, Randy Etzel before him, when he took the job, he said it was his, his dream job. And everybody knew that was garbage. He's a Pennsylvania guy. His dream job was Penn State, I'm sure. Uh Loxley said it and he means it. He's a Maryland guy through and through. This is his third guy, third, excuse me, uh Third stint at the program its where he wants to be, and he's, he's really likable. So, um, you know, he's got the fans on board now. He just needs to keep winning.
0: Obviously, Locks has some offensive chops. You know, we saw what he did at Alabama with some of the best talent in the country, but we also saw what he did at Illinois to get some of the best talent uh, to a place that hadn't been getting it in Illinois. And then to lead, you know, Juice Williams, Richard Mendenhall, Regis Ben. Uh, to a Rose Bowl, and, and that was an exciting, exciting time for Illinois football. He seems to be doing something similar at Maryland, you know, not, not a place that always kills it in recruiting, but three straight pretty good classes there. Jeff, like why is locks resonating? How is he getting uh, a really talented roster? How has he put that together then?
1: Well, I mean, he, as you know very well, he's always been a great recruiter. He's a natural this, his line that he uses often is, if people like you, they're going to buy from you. And so and people like him. He's genuine. He's not one of these coaches who spouts off a bunch of cliches. He's just a normal guy when you talk to him, very forthcoming, friendly. And then he knows everybody. You know, he's kind of the godfather of DMV. He's a local guy from D.C., has been in the area, you know, recruiting the area forever, just knows ever, literally everybody. So this year's class was this, – this current freshman class was ranked Uh, Number 18 in the country, which is the highest Maryland's had in uh, decades. And so some of those guys are staying in the field, but he's also the past few classes, while not highly as as highly rated, he got a lot of really good players who are now starting to become those guys who are on the field.
0: Yeah. So um, what has he learned? I mean, obviously his first head coaching stint did not go well uh, at at New Mexico, both on and off the field. How, How has he matured? Like, how did the whole in first Maryland experience as OC there. And then obviously the Nick Saban seems like career defining, um, you know, wherever people go there, it seems like they come out, uh, for the better. Like, how did that all impact him?
1: Um, I think he'll tell you, he shouldn't have taken that job. He was too young. It's a very tough job. So he's, you know, he's actually, he said that to me, like it was, he knows that that's on his record and people will always doubt him because of, you know, what was pretty disastrous run there. Uh, I think he learned a lot from Saban in terms of the process, being organized, getting a little bit better every day. Uh, He's gotten a little more strict and controlled with how he runs things. And so, you know, uh, he's a different guy. You know, everybody, when you're younger and you're at your first head coaching job, you know, I think I don't remember how. I think he was late 30s at that point. So he wasn't as young as some of these guys today, but he was on the younger side. Uh, so he's. I think he's basically just matured, and you know, he is who he is. And um, and like he said, everybody who sprinkles, who Saban sprinkles that dust on, you know, for the most part, they seem to come out better. And I think he he really learned a lot from Saban.
0: Uh, okay, so let's start with the quarterback. That's the first thing you got to fix usually in a program. Illinois is still trying to fix that. Uh, but he he gets a guy he knew at Alabama, Talia Tongavailoa. Last year had some interception problems, but we saw in the two wins. Boy, he can he can be good. Um, two great games to start this season. What kind of growth have you seen out of him? Because, I mean, his numbers right now are some of the best in the Big Ten. Uh, again, just one game against a Power Five opponent. But what have you seen from him so far?
1: Uh, he looks more decisive. I mean, he spent the whole summer. He's, a, you know, like his brother, his, his father raised champions. That was his whole thing. He, he's one of those quarterback dads who, you know, he's going to raise some thoroughbred guys who are just – Focused on the game, he, he's not on social media at all. Um, so some people say that, but he actually lives that student of football thing, so he looks more decisive. Uh, he's not making the forced throws so far. Last year, he had a tendency to make forced throws and had seven picks in four games because of it. He hasn't done that so far, and uh, he actually looks a little bit quicker too back there. I mean, he's there's been several times in the first two games where there was a pretty good rush, and he's danced around for three or four seconds and then found somebody on the run, uh, dropped a dime. So, you know, he's looked really good, but, you know, I think he, we need to save some of the praise until he does it against a big 10
0: team. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, he does – I think Illinois fans should be very concerned given what Virginia just did to them uh, because Virginia has talented weapons, but, but so does Maryland. Um, how good is this receiver crew and, and what makes them so good?
1: I think it's arguably the second best in the Big Ten behind Ohio State, Um, you know, Dante Demas and Rakim Jarrett. It's hard to find a combo better than those two guys. And then I saw Pro Football Focus posted today that Maryland's the only two only school to have two receivers, I think, in the top 80 or whatever. But the other guy was not Demas. It was actually Jay Sean Jones and Jarrett. So, so Jones is pretty good. They got a few other guys who are good and, you know, it's the deepest receiver core they've had in a while. And those first two guys, Demas and, and Jared are big play receivers.
0: Now, how does their run game play off that? Uh, you know, Floyd Davis seems like he's having a pretty good start. Uh, offensive line, um, how good are they?
1: Offensive line was the biggest question coming into the season. They had some new guys, they had some shifting. Not much depth behind those guys, but through two games, they've been really good. You know, we'll see if that again. See if that holds up. Howard they had a huge advantage, size advantage. West Virginia we don't know how good they are yet, um, but they've looked better than expected. Fleet Davis was kind of an unproven guy. he's, he's had a solid career, but unproven in terms of being a number one back. I mean, he averaged like about 4.2 yards per carry coming into this season. Uh, he's looked he's looked pretty good so far, but I think you can plug almost anybody in there and look pretty good, you know, when you have those weapons at receiver and it's creating some room for you to run. Uh, they have a couple other guys behind him who look good at times, but it's, you know, it's going to be somewhat of a running back by committee situation because he's not necessarily that Jake Funk who got drafted last year or Ty Johnson or Anthony McFarlane or all these really fast guy to with the NFL for the past few years, he's more of a uh, Swiss army Knights kind of guy.
0: I think every Illinois fan is, doesn't have any faith in its defense after the last two games, Jeff. So if they're going to exploit, like what, what would be the weakness of Maryland or, or how can Illinois keep them in check if possible?
1: I think the interior is probably Maryland's weakest spot. They have Eric Harris, a junior college guy, Uh playing his first major college action. He's held up so far, but he's kind of been rushed into the role. Uh and then they've got some inexperience elsewhere at the guard. Mason Lunsford on the left side is starting his first year. Uh Maryland's pretty good at the tackles. They haven't allowed much of a pass rush. Uh, but you know, it's really hard to say where their weakness is again because Howard was a scrimmage and, and so they only have one game really to go on. But uh I would say the interior of the line. You know, that that would be the one area that I still want to see them hold up against another real team. And obviously, if you pressure Tungo Bailoa, if you're able to get to him, you see if maybe he makes some of those bad throws that he was prone to making last year.
0: All right, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. Jeff, um, this is an area I know Maryland has struggled in the past. Um, how have they improved um, early this season? Again, we we only know this, the guys they've played, but holding West Virginia, any West Virginia team to 24 points is pretty good and a win. Uh, and then to, to shut out a team, even if it's an FCS, bad FCS team, uh, you still shut them out. So what, what kind of growth have you seen there?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Going into the season, everybody talked about the wide receivers, but when I did a story ranking their – Positional units, best to worst. Uh, You know, it's hard not to put the corner, or excuse me, the defensive backs in that top spot. They have a really good defensive backfield. Jacorian Bennett, a cornerback who was a junior college recruit last year, has been really good. He has interceptions in both games, including one uh, to seal the West Virginia win. Uh, They've got another named Deontay Banks and another named Tar Still, who was a freshman All American last year. And then at safety, you've got Nick Cross, who was a, you know, a big time recruit, NFL prospect kind of guy, really big hitter. Uh, so I think the secondary, you know, last year, the defense of the uh, pass defense got much better because of these guys. But nobody really noticed because it was a short season. And I think they've continued that this year. So I think the pass coverage is really good. And now the defensive line, uh, they've got more depth than they've had, depth and size than they've had in several years. So it's just an overall talent upgrade defensively.
0: Yeah, I know you said in your, our know-the-foe feature that, that linebacker could be the one issue for them because they're pretty young there, right? And Illinois does have uh, some some good running backs, a solid offensive line. So what would be the concern there? What could Illinois attack there?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they do have an experienced guys. They have Brandon Jennings starting in the middle. Uh, he's a true freshman from Florida, four-star, big. He doesn't look like a freshman, a big kid, but he's also – uh, very inexperienced. And then on the outside, they, you know, they at times have been prone to give up a little bit on the outside. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't call it a weakness necessarily, but if there's a spot where they don't have proven guys, it's definitely a linebacker, Ruben hit uh, arguably kind of the quarterback of the defense. He's only a sophomore who played just a little bit last year. So that's, that would be the spot where they're unproven.
0: Maryland's receiving votes in the AP poll. Uh, they had the chance to go three and O for the first time, I think since 2016, what's this, what's this game mean for them? Their big 10 opener.
1: This is a huge game for them. This is really a huge game for them because if they win this, they have a chance to get to four and zero going into the Iowa game. And then, you know, you're kind of in that house money situation. Like we win this, it's a whole different kind of season. Like it's no longer like let's rebuild and just try to maybe get a bowl game. Uh, so, you know, Cause I should explain because they have Kent State after Illinois, so obviously they should beat Kent State. So this is one where you really can get the fans on the bandwagon, get the excitement going. You lose this. Things kind of sputter. The excitement really, I think, uh, takes a big hit. So for them, this is an enormous swing game kind of situation.
0: Yeah, and of course for Illinois, they're trying to get to two and zero in the Big Ten, even though they've lost the, the last two. So maybe they can uh kind of turn around their early season here. Um, what what do you think is the potential of, of this year, Jeff? Say they they do get a win and they get to four and zero, like um, in the Big Ten East, we know that's such a bear. But um, how how good can this team be this year? Do you think?
1: I think they could be if things go well, a seven or eight win team. You know, you win this, get off to four and zero, you win. Some of those 50-50 kind of games heading down, you know, some of the teams might not be as good as they once looked, like Indiana, for instance. Um, you know, you beat Rutgers and, and then all of a sudden you're seven or eight. You know, the win total for them going the betting total going into the season was five and a half. Uh, I think if you get to a bowl game, people will be happy. But, you know, with the talent they have, if the offensive line can hold on, can can hold off, if Tungabailoa keeps playing like he has, you know, there's, there's a chance for it to be one of their better seasons in recent years really isn't that high a benchmark, if we're being
0: honest. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Maryland gets the same term, but everyone calls Illinois a sleeping giant, and well, all the time. <laughs> and I just go, well, they're just sleeping. If they if they never live up to that, what do you think is yeah. the potential? Like, what do you think is a realistic goal for Maryland football in the Big Ten?
1: Well, first, that's funny because I have said your exact answer to so many people, radio interviews, whatever. I think they're a sleeping giant, but. I say, yes, they, the potential is there, but if you if you don't, if you're never living up to it, you're just, you're sleeping, there's no, you know, anybody could be a sleeping giant, but, um, you know, I think the potential is to be like a Michigan State kind of program where you win eight, eight and a half, eight games maybe per year, something like that. Well, obviously, you never know, but as you know, it's so hard to get to that next Ohio State, more so in football, basketball, people can You know, schools can come up and do that at least for a few years in football. It's so much harder, especially in the Big Ten East. But you know, if you could get that Michigan State level where you're winning between seven and nine a year, and then once every four or five years, you have that huge breakout 10 win season. I think they're capable. I mean, the sleep people do say sleeping jack for a reason. There's a great recruiting hotbed around them. They've now got a brand new and amazing indoor facility. Uh, their coaches who are obviously bias believe it's the best in the country. And so, you know, there is definitely potential there to be a pretty good program.
0: Uh, Jeff, before I let you go, uh, I do want to ask Illinois basketball had such a crazy off season. I think everyone has a crazy off season now, but, but Maryland basketball, it felt like had just this roller coaster of, Oh, this, this is all coming in, but these guys are going out at the end of it. What do you think of the the roster um, that that Maryland basketball and Mark Turgeon have settled on here?
1: I think it's pretty good. You know, I think it's one of its deepest rosters yet. We'll see if it has those. You know, top two scorers. It has one. I think Eric Ayala. I think he's going to be a eighteen point per game kind of guy this year. He's going to move uh, from the one to the two. That's Russell, the transfer from Rhode Island. Will play the one now. They got Caduce Wahab. The 6'10, 6'11 center from Georgetown. It was one of the top transfers in the country. I really like Dante Scott. I think people, he's underappreciated as a forward. I think he'll become a, you know, a borderline star this year. So they've got, and they've got a deeper bench than they've had the past few years. So I think, you know, if things work out, it's got the potential to be one of his best teams.
0: It feels like Mark Turgeon, like nobody's been happy there (laughs) about about what he's done despite him. Notice that yeah yeah I have. and when I went to D.C. for the uh, the Big Ten tournament, people were talking about like Mark Turgeon and like he's not doing all that well even though he's finishing atop top of the big ten and even in his down years he's making the tournament. So what is that relationship been like? why why is turge not like beloved there? because
1: uh, people March Madness you know people want a deep tourney run and he has not he hasn't made one. Yeah. you know he's done a solid job over overall generally finished in the top four of the big 10 recruited pretty well um but there's been you know one sweet 16 and it wasn't even a really satisfying one it was one where they beat hawaii and south dakota state and then lost in a borderline blowout to kansas so you know they people live for march madness and and in the big 10 tournament and you know that just hasn't happened for them. So I think after what they saw Gary Williams do, and realized that the program was capable, you know, he was going to Sweet 16 every year, then finally got to the Final Four, then the next year won it all. They they got a taste of that, and they want more. And that just hasn't
0: happened yet. Yeah, understandable. It's it's tough to replace a legend, and yes, um, Illinois fans know that. You know, the uh, single elimination tournament can be pretty cool at times. Uh,
1: the two programs have had pretty similar uh, profiles. Uh,
0: well, uh, say hey to, to Locks and the Zucker for us. We're, we're happy to see them back in, in Champaign. I think people uh, think even fonder of what they've done uh, since they those guys mm-hmm. left because it's been so difficult uh, to get back to that. But Jeff Erman Inside MD Sports. Jeff, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Appreciate it. What a difference two weeks makes on how we feel about a football team, huh? After a 30-22 season opening win over Nebraska, you're thinking maybe Illinois football can be the surprise team in the Big Ten West. Maybe Brett Bielma can turn this around pretty quickly with scheme, with a different approach, with fresh new life, and a bunch of good college football experience, right? Well, the last two weeks have made you reconsider all of that. Not that we're going to make a judgment on Brett Bielma in year one or even year two, but uh, this job is very difficult. And I think we've known that for a long time, and uh, I think we've you know, kind of realized that yet again uh, over the last couple weeks because the UTSA loss, while not the biggest shock in the world given that UTSA was a small underdog in that game, uh, is still a tough one to take and then to follow that up with an uncompetitive loss at Virginia which I think is a a team that can compete for uh, the ACC division coastal division title there Uh, very talented but just looked like they were at a different level of college football, and we've seen that far too often uh, here with Illinois football over the last decade. So now Illinois gets another chance. They come back home, prime time yet again, FS1, 8 p.m. kickoff on national television, and they get the Maryland Terrapins, which seemed like, at the beginning of the year, a favorable crossover game as the Maryland Terrapins under Mike Loxley are, are rebuilding this thing, uh, obviously a couple years ahead of, of Illinois with a new coach and Mike Loxley, who's now entering his third season or is in his third season with the Maryland's Terrapins. But the Maryland's look pretty dang good going on the road to West Virginia. And I don't know how good West Virginia is, but to win on the road at West Virginia, a pretty dang good program over the last few decades uh, is an impressive start. And then to beat Howard an FCS team and probably a bad one, 62 to nothing. Um, that's impressive. No matter who the opponent is 62 to nothing is a lot of points and Maryland is talented. That's what you come back to. They have recruited extremely well under Mike Loxley, which no one is surprised about around here. And they have a very talented quarterback. And Talia uh obviously the brother, younger brother of Tua Viola. So this is a very good quarterback, talented quarterback, uh, who seems like he's made some strides. And he is throwing to one of the best wide receiver cores in the Big Ten, with guys like Rakim Jarrett, a former uh, five-star prospect, Dante Demas Jr., who has been one of the better wide receivers in the Big Ten the last couple years, and uh, a former Illinois recruiting target, Jay Sean Jones, uh, who's had a pretty good start to the season and a pretty good career as well. Otherwise, Maryland's got some some flaws. The offensive line isn't all that great defensively. they got a great back four, but we'll see how good they are otherwise. But this feels like a huge game for Illinois, just to at least be competitive. Because you look on paper now and I'm almost shocked that Illinois is only a seven and a half point underdog because I feel like Maryland, maybe not as complete as Virginia, but they do have some weapons that really scare you. And defensively, that's a huge concern uh, for Illinois. So as you can tell, I'm not very high on the Illini's chances for this game. Um, And how could I be? After the last couple games that we've seen, I do think they'll get some life offensively. I think Brandon Peters uh, is clearly leading up to the season was the better quarterback. And I do think he's got a little bit more arm talent and athleticism than Art Sikowski, but even just improved play from Brandon Peters uh, isn't going to change the Illini's fortunes at the defense. Can't stop anybody if they can't get off the field, but maybe Brandon Peters can help the Illini gain some confidence by scoring early in games, uh, maybe holding the ball for longer, right? So the defense can get off the field and that Maryland can't stay on the field like Virginia was for most of that game. Um, And and maybe with a fully healthy, for the most part, we'll see if Doug Kramer plays and he's probably been uh, among the best offensive players for Illinois at center. Maybe with Chase Brown back and Brandon Peters back and, Don't know how big of a role Brian Hightower and Jafar Armstrong will play, but they're healthy. They've been practicing, and maybe they get worked in a little bit more. And we know Deuce Span has been a weapon uh, that Illinois sorely needs, and we know Isaiah Williams has been pretty good. But maybe Brandon Peters gets more of them involved. Maybe he gets the ball to the tight ends a little bit more. Maybe he opens up a passing game, which opens up some opportunities for the rushing attack. And maybe more importantly, the staff knows a little bit more about what to do with the talent that they have. They have three games of film now. They know what their team is. They know what it isn't. But I think offensively, there still are some things they can do a little bit better and maybe game plan a little bit better for. Ryan Walters and his defense are more concerned about because there's not a ton of depth on that side of the ball. You are playing your best players. And so far, it just hasn't been very productive. And it's not like you can just say, oh, our pass rush will get there, so maybe we can be more, you know, laid back with our secondary and, and play more his own coverage, right? Well, you need to get a pass rush because your top four guys, the front four, aren't generating a lot of pass rush. So are you going to risk it, go one-on-one, right, and, and blitz against this group of wide receivers? I, they just got to play fundamentally sound better. Um, you know, the, the coaching staff has talked a lot about the team getting rattled and kind of being in quicksand and one problem snowballs and this team just mentally kind of lacks it. And that's probably due to their history that they have. But also you wonder, is this group talented enough? Are there aren't enough difference makers on that side of the ball? I really think they're miss Keith Randolph. I really think they miss CJ Hart. And I think this staff's going to have to make some talent upgrades in the offseason through the transfer portal and just long term through the prep market. Um, This is a big game for Illinois. Um, Not that you feel confident in it, but at some point you got to surprise us because right now I don't know if they're going to be a favorite over anybody. Maybe Charlotte, but Charlotte beat Duke, right? So there's not a game on the schedule you feel good about after the last couple weeks. But we did see this team do something good against Nebraska. I don't think that was all on Nebraska screwing up. It helped that Nebraska's offense screwed up, uh, but you did own the line of scrimmage. Uh, I thought on the offensive line for most of that game, you're able to run the ball, you're able to make good plays, and you played fundamentally sound defense. Uh, so if they can get back to that, they'll have a chance, right? That's what you got to get back to on defense. And then maybe you're 2 0 in the Big Ten, right? If you can find a way to win this game and start to get some of that good feeling mojo, some momentum back because then you get Purdue that is a beatable team on the road and then you get Charlotte and you have a chance to claw back and to try and get back to what you thought this team would be. It's just hard to predict that right now, right? As much as you want to hope for that, I it's it, I can't sit there as an unbiased observer as much as I can be and go, yeah, I'm going to pick Illinois to win this game right? Like, how could I do that based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks? I think you guys would sit there and go, well, I'm not going to listen to that guy anymore, right? Because my eyes, I mean, these are we use our eyes to see what we see. And right now, the last couple of weeks, this doesn't look like um, a team that's going to beat Maryland, but we did see it against Nebraska. And you're wondering, is that is that the huge outlier here? I think we'll find that out against Maryland. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast. We appreciate you guys. Thanks to Jeff Ehrman for joining us to break down the Terrapins as well. Uh seems like Mike Loxley's got a little bit of momentum there, and uh, he recruits his butt off. But stay tuned to Illini Inquirer for the latest on Illinois football, what happens this weekend. We'll have some recruiting thoughts coming up as well. And uh, it's a big recruiting weekend for Illini basketball. Derek Piper will have the latest for you on that as well. We will have our post-game podcast, as always, reacting to what we see at Memorial Stadium. It'll be a late one. I we can get home at like 3, 4 a.m. <laughs> the next morning. Uh, but we will have that for you as soon as we can after the game so you wake up Saturday morning. And you can listen to either the joy of a thrilling victory or another loss that makes you go, where's this thing going the rest of the year? Like, what can we see the rest of the year? We'll have that here for you on the and Choir podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that. Rate us, review us. That helps us out as well. Thanks for listening to the Online Choir podcast. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the and Choir podcast.